All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey guys, Faber here. Before we get into the episode, I uh, just wanted to say that uh, the world of podcasting is a fun thing. Uh, unfortunately, because news comes out directly after you finish recording a lot of the time. Uh, that's just how it works. We we recorded this whole episode and then within about two minutes of finishing, uh, the Canucks sent an email out and sent out a tweet as well. I'm sure everybody has seen the news that the Vancouver Canucks have announced the hiring of Daniel and Henrik Sedin, which is obviously super exciting news. They are announced as special advisors to the general manager. Unfortunately, we didn't have that information as we were recording, but we still had a fun episode talking about some of their roles that they might have in the AHL or potentially the NHL. Now the news is out there as well that uh, that it's obviously they're going to be special advisors to the general manager. Some of the things that they were talked about doing was working on player evaluation, development, communications from amateur to the NHL level. They will work collaboratively with the Abbotsford AHL staff and coaches to participate in amateur and pro scout meetings and participate in planning for the draft free agency and trade deadline so yeah we recorded an episode we talked about a lot of stuff about it we just didn't have the announcement yet but i don't think it changes anything that we talked about in the episode so let's just get right to it why don't we fire up that intro and get into episode 173 enjoy folks can you see did you The puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. It arms To the line, Hughes scores! Yes, existence. Take you to the sun. First career NHL goal. Quinn Hughes makes it 1 0. Quinn Hughes beat reporter 
reporter here. Like, I don't, I don't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in in Valentine's Day. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello Canucks fans and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. Use promo code Hockey Season capital H capital S at ZephyrEpic.com Z-E-P-H-Y-R Epic on all platforms. You can go check them out on Twitch, Weekly Case Breaks and they have a store in Surrey as well. Go check them out ZephyrEpic.com. My name is David Quadrelli. I am joined as always by the man who built the place, Chris Faber. Chris, it is a sunny it is a scorcher in Vancouver today. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm not a huge fan of the whole scorcher thing, but uh, I think people start to use that Zephyr Epic code. They should start to use it now because you and I have had some horrible luck over the past couple of weeks of doing our uh, our pre-recording pack openings. We're not doing that today. We're recording remotely today. But uh, yeah, the, the scorcher, it's not, I'm not a huge fan. You know, we, we did your move yesterday as well in the hottest day of the year. Not a big fan of that, but we got everything done. I was lucky to have good AC in the truck. I'm lucky to have good AC in my truck. Uh, but even in my room here, it's 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 a hot one. I can feel it for sure. And I know you can feel it in yours as well because you got a lot of sunlight uh, coming into your new place there. I do, I do. We got a lot into the move-in. Move-in went successful for people. I talked about it very briefly on the show last week. Move-in was successful. Faber, you were driving the U-Haul. did a fantastic job. Nothing was broken when I unpacked. But yeah. Got myself a little apartment here, my first uh, first apartment moving out. So it was a lot of fun. We got into it on the Patreon, patreon.com slash CanucksConvo. Five and ten dollar tiers get to hear Faber and Quad Shoot weekly. And uh, that was that was a fun episode that we did. So yeah, you can go check it out. We talked a lot about the move-in, but we actually have some Canucks news to talk about, Chris. And tomorrow, we're recording this on Tuesday. We're going to put it out Tuesday afternoon. Tomorrow, Wednesday, by Saturday, we're going to have concrete things to talk about when it comes to the Sedins and their role with the Vancouver Canucks because it's been reported now by Darren Drager and Rick Dollywall that the Sedins are joining the Canucks management group and it will be announced tomorrow. So we're a day early, but there's a lot to talk about because Drager's reporting that he they are going to be in Abbotsford. That is where the Sedins are really going to help. They're going to help on the player development side and with the Abbotsford team. And, you know, we, we talked about this a little and how it didn't really make sense for them to want to go to Abbotsford. They'd want to start with the big club. But I want to get your thoughts on this, Chris. As somebody who covers the Comets and the Abbotsford, whatever they're going to be, the Fraser Valley Falcons, whatever it is that they end up going with, as somebody who covers that team and these prospects and talks to a lot of these prospects, probably more than anybody in the market, like what's your sense of the Sedins joining the, the Abbotsford team? 
First of all, we're just going to brush over you dropping a swear word in the first two minutes of the show, just so you know. I'll have to oh, do, an edit, yeah. do an edit point there. Not a big deal. We'll put a little whistle over it or something. You got um, it. You got it, bud. <laughs> I absolutely do. I have it written down right here. But, um, I, I mean, I'm so excited. Obviously, like, I'm going to be covering that team very closely. It's within about a 15-minute drive from my house, so I'll be at as many games as possible. And to hear that the Sedins are going to be around there... Um, I, I still I'm not convinced it's a it's the best spot for them, but you know what? Like if, if they're gonna be starting out at the bottom and working their way up, I I hope they have a real hand in what they're gonna be doing over there with that AHL team. I hope that they're able to to work with Trent Cull in a good way. Uh you know, Cull's gonna be a guy that I'm gonna have to reach out to here pretty soon and just get his thoughts on it once it's officially announced. Uh, you know, that's that's probably a good article for Canucks Army now that I think about it actually, but That'll be that'll be coming soon. Uh, but I mean, like, yeah, to have them around these guys to develop is going to be great. I personally think that having them involved with the NHL team is still a better route. I'm still a little bit confused on them coming into the AHL team and whatever they're going to have to do there. But it's not going to hurt anything about the AHL program and the development of these players. It's going to help them, you know, in a in a huge way. I'm very excited to to know that they're going to be working with these guys and. I, I'm just a little confused. Like I was, I'm always been in the camp of them having a job at the NHL level, uh, and I thought that that would be kind of something that their their real relevance throughout this team and this organization would kind of let them be able to demand that. But maybe they're just starting at the bottom and working their way up, and they can do a lot of different things with this team. I think they're going to help with the coaching staff. I think they're going to help with the players going through things, um, and it's just going to be a good starting spot for them. It's nice to kind of have concrete. You know, it's not even really dried concrete yet. They're still laying it down. But, you know, to, to hear a lot of these rumors coming out from Drager and Dolly Wall, like, it, it sounds like it's pretty much a done deal that they're going to be in the AHL helping them there. But, you know, they're still going to be around Vancouver. They're going to be around the NHL team as well. So it's not like they're only, like, if they were in Utica and the Sedins were going to Utica, that would be something. But the fact that they're just in Abbotsford here, they're, they're probably going to be involved with the Canucks as well, more than just AHL, like a lot of it's been reported. It kind of works out perfectly if you think about it, because yeah, if if the Canucks don't have a farm team in Abbotsford, who knows if the Sedins are still interested? And you know, Jim talked in the press conference when he very briefly talked about the Sedins. Uh, his last press conference, geez, that feels like so long ago when this was first reported. But Jim said he's like, yeah, when they retired, we talked about them joining in a management role, and and they they did have that discussion. But the Sedins' main focus was to coach their kids and you know be fathers first and foremost, and you know, now I guess they've got that done, and they're uh, they're they're ready to be uh, ready to be joining management. And here's the thing: like this is interesting because it's something you brought up, but this is more of a I think this is more of a Canucks Twitter theory slash rumor. I don't think this has any credence. I I haven't heard anything about it. Um, but but I saw people talking about how well the Aquilinis wanted to get rid of Jim and John. And replace them with the Sedins, but the Sedins said they weren't ready, and that's why they're joining now, and they're they're learning under Jim and John. But I, I don't think that makes a lot of sense. But that's that's a fun little theory to throw out there um, <laughs> that I saw on Twitter. But yeah, I I don't think that's actually true. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't really buy that one too much. But I mean, it's it's definitely like a, a it's an idea that's not like the most ridiculous thing ever. But yeah, they're very they're way too early into their management careers, which hasn't even really started yet. Uh, to consider them general managers at this point. And it's going to be cool would to you, see what they evolve to. Yeah, I mean, like, what you, they evolve to is something that we're never going to see or that we've never seen in the NHL is two guys that, you know, could be co-GMs, right? Like, seriously, like, these guys are on the exact same brainwave, and it's going to be interesting to see what they're able to do. But, you know, to, for me, like, to get back to them going to Abbotsford and stuff, I think it's 
it's going to be really interesting. Like, I wonder if there's going to be opportunities for us as media to, you know, interact with the Sedins at the, at the games or if they're just going to be up in the suite or if there's actually something that we're going to be able to react with them and talk to them, and, you know, post-game and things like that just around the rink if we run into them uh, and ask some questions. I'm sure the, the opportunity is going to arise at some point for myself if I'm, you know, media at these games and just to see what they're able to do with this HL team. It's going to be good. Like, it's going to be really good. Like, obviously, like, these guys, everything they do with hockey – you know, it's it's excellent, and everything they do with people seems to be apparently better. So um, to get them involved in the organization, you can't have too many good good people, good workers, good employees, whatever you want to call them. Like, you can't ever have too many good good guys in your organization like that. So to hear that the Sedins are now actually going to happen, like, you know, there was, there was starting to be slivers in my mind to think, like, was this actually going to happen, or was this sort of a smokescreen to buy, let them buy some time you know, to get the, the contract with Travis Green done, to get the contract with the rest of the coaching staff done. Like, there was a sliver of thought in my mind that I was like, maybe that was just like a big smokescreen to put everyone off the scent for a couple of weeks. But it is good to get them involved, and I'm just happy to have good hockey minds come to the organization that we cover on this podcast because I, I don't think it can do anything but help. Yeah, exactly. I'm excited to see what their role is and what they're actually doing. And it reminded me of a story that I wanted to bring up on the podcast, Chris. I don't know if you remember this, I don't know the year that it happened, but Mike Milbury, everybody knows Mike Milbury, everybody loves Mike Milbury, I say that very sarcastically for those that can't pick that up, but Mike Milbury goes out, and I don't know where he was an, an analyst on or what he, where he said this, but basically, he called the Sedins women, and the Sedins were asked about it, and usually, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know who the Sedins are. You've probably heard Sedin interviews. You've probably read the sound bites and the quotes that they give. It's nothing, nothing to rock the boat, ever. But this time, after that comment, and after they were asked about it, Daniel Sedin said, I think it was Daniel that said this, and it's funny I'm getting them confused because I'm, I'm not reading. I'm going off, the, off memory here. Daniel Sedin said, uh, he's like, well, you know, he, he had a good career in Long Island, and I'm sure he's super proud of it. And in Long Island, for those that don't know, Mike Milbury is probably most famous for giving up Roberto Luongo for absolutely nothing. Like, that, that's, that's what Mike Milbury's most most famous for, and there was a lot of other bad moves. But basically, he was a bad GM, and Daniel was saying he had a great career in Long Island, uh, which it, it is very, very well known that he did not have a great career in Long Island. But yeah, Daniel pointed that out. And then, uh, yeah, Henrik, on the other hand, just pointed out that it was, like, blatant misogyny, uh, which it was. He was saying, he's like, I don't know how he views, or yeah, Henrik said, I don't know how he views women, but if I was a woman, I would probably be mad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, yeah, the whole Milbury, we don't have to bring him up very much on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> you know, there, there's a lot of <laughs> stupid things that have come out of that guy's mouth, and that's probably why he's not, uh, or is, isn't he, like, did he just get dropped and now he's not on anything now, right? Yeah, because like, he went in, he was in the bubble, and, you know. Right misogynistic Mike, I guess we could call him now, because he said in the bubble, he's like, he's like, yeah, these guys are here, they're they're ready to play, there's no distractions, and he listed off a bunch of distractions, and he included women in that, he's like, yeah, there's no women, they must love it, and it's like, alright, Mike, like, thanks for the input, bud, as there's, like, female p- media members just, like, sitting there in the bubble, oh, anyway, it was just, yeah, it was, that, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I think, it's gonna be just getting the Sedins now in here, it's going to be great, I think, in the end. I mean, like, it's just like a situation like that to see they have a little bit of pushback. Uh, I, that's the thing that I'm going to be interested to see is, like, how much say are these guys going to get in their first year, right? Because they're going to have a lot, they're going to have a lot of knowledge to bring to the game here, a lot of knowledge of being pretty recent hockey players. Like, we talked about it. They've only retired, what, three years ago now or, you know, two and a half, whatever you want to call it. Like, three years ago, yeah. I guess they retired. So, 
they're they're still going to have some some people that they know around the league. They're going to have good relationships, probably with every Swedish player. Honestly, uh, you know, every Swedish player seems to look up to the Sedin, especially the guys that are kind of in their their mid twenties to to thirties, I guess. So it'll be interesting to see if they can you know involve some of them in contract talks or maybe something like that to to just kind of bring more people to the the city of Vancouver and the team that's the Canucks and. I'm just curious. Like, I'm really excited to actually just get this first interview because I'm sure we're going to hear from the Sedins. We're sure we're going to have a media availability once this is fully announced and and to kind of hear where their roles are going to be, what they're going to do. Because really, like, all we really know is they're going to work with the AHL team according to the, the reports that are out there today. So uh, what does that mean, right? Like, what does that mean that they're doing? Are they, you know, helping as – are they assistant general managers to Ryan Johnson? Are they going to be – player development only are they going to be involved with stuff on the ice are they going to like there's so many things that they can do for this AHL team especially how it's just being built from literally ground zero at this point they have nothing going on uh with the AHL team they don't have a damn name yet all they really know is where they're going to play next year so you know to, to think that they can be like a big part of how they build up this AHL team into something that I think is going to be a very successful spot for them for a long time I think that you know, Abbotsford is going to be the AHL team for a long time with this Canucks team, and it, it makes a lot of sense having them this close. And they're going to realize that when, you know, I remember hearing quotes from Jim Benning a couple of years ago saying how it was so good to have Utica be the AHL team because we can get the we can get players in on the road trips really quick. It's like, well, you know, not really because they also still had to like. There wasn't an airport that was close to Utica that they could fly out of, so they had to drive a good little bit, then had to fly to wherever they were going, and most of their games aren't on the East Coast, obviously, with the Canucks schedule. So having them here in Abbotsford is going to make a huge difference, and you know, having the Sedins be there to build it up in their first probably probably year, maybe two years, they're going to be working with the AHL team more. But I'm just I'm really curious to see when they get involved with the NHL team, and I personally like. I don't see why it wouldn't be just from day one. Like, yeah, their their, their main job might be in AHL. But they got to be doing something at the NHL. They're they're too smart of guys to not be helping your NHL team. Well, like it, it's confusing because we don't know the role yet, so I don't want to speculate too much and keep talking about what they could do. But I could see them kind of in a hybrid role, like you're suggesting, where they're in charge of player development, but they still talk to people at the NHL level. You look at a guy like Chris Higgins again; that guy is in charge of player development. That's his main role, but he's still around the NHL club, right? Like. To my knowledge, Chris Higgins still lives and works in Vancouver out of Rogers Arena, right? And I could see the Sedins doing something similar to that. That being said, we just don't know what the role is. And by the time some people are listening to this, it'll already be public knowledge. And they'll have to tune into Saturday's episode when we break it all down um, at length. But there was one thing I wanted to mention to you, Chris. And it was kind of just a question, I guess. And I'm just sitting here pondering this. You mentioned before, well, the scenes aren't going to go to the NHL right away because they don't have any management experience. Do you think that's partly because the organization learned from the Trevor Linden fiasco that they don't want to relive that and they don't want to put somebody in a big role like a president of hockey operations who doesn't have any experience? Like, Do you think that's partly why that they wouldn't become... Or do you think this is more like on the Sedins? Like the Sedins are choosing and saying, "Look, we don't, we're not ready. We don't want to do this just yet." Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both because, like, Trevor Linden had all the all the history of working with the NHLPA. Uh, obviously, had a very high role with them, especially during some lockouts there. And I know Trevor Linden's very well known throughout the players' community for being a good leader in that part. So I think that that helped him move into the role of being president. Obviously, at the same time, I think it was a big 
big move just for the media and for you know for, to, for good pub really for the Canucks at the time and obviously didn't end well. So I I wish that we could hear the conversations that Lyndon has had with the Sedins. I mean, it, it would be interesting to see what he kind of warned them about potentially, and I think that might be part of it why the Sedins aren't jumping right in and becoming like we said the the general managers or co general managers, whatever you want to call it, or one of them is the president, one's the GM, like. That it would have been a very big rush move to make that happen, but like you have to think that they're going to do everything in their power, and I think this is something that Aquilini is probably going to be very forward thinking on. Is like he wants to get these guys at the level where they can be a GM, right? Like this is a huge, huge opportunity for Francesco Aquilini to make a lot of people happy. If you know Jim Benning seems to go downhill in the next couple of years, and the Sedins are ready to become general managers, that's just a very good public move for Aquilini to make. Uh, so it's a it's a good move, I think, for everybody really getting the Sedins in and starting them at the lower part of the totem pole and having them work up is probably good for everyone in the end. You don't want to rush guys into this, but uh, I I just don't see them like. Like all we've heard is AHL is the rumors. Like you said, people are going to hear all all their like. Hopefully, you're going to hear a lot about what their job duties are going to be moving forward here once we hear the announcement tomorrow, if that's when it actually comes. And I think there has to be things at the NHL level. They can't just send them to the AHL, right? Like you can't just send these guys to the minors or the Sedins. They don't go to the minors, man. They're uh, they're NHL players through and through, and I think they should be NHL management guys through and through as well. So. Um, I, I'm going to be really interested to hear what they're going to be doing with the NHL team. I wonder just, just everything. Like, I feel like they can help everywhere. If, if a scout has a player that they can showcase to them and see what they have to think about him, just to get some more ideas is kind of the thing that we've wanted for this Canucks management group for such a long time. And obviously they're not going to be on the level of, of Jim Benning and John Wisebrod uh, or Chris Gear. Like they're not an assistant general manager, but I hope that they're there pretty soon. Like, I hope that they're at that level of the organization listening to their voices within a year or two because i i can't see the sedines being bad at making hockey decisions i just it's one thing that i just can't see happening they're too smart they understand the game too well they're hockey guys through and through you've heard a lot of reports about how dialed in they still are to the league and and i think that this this is great this is two voices that that i think any organization would love to have for them and i don't think it'll be long until they're making you know making their points heard at the nhl level instead of just the ahl level but right now like they should be making a lot of decisions and doing a lot of work with the AHL team. These guys should be listening to them. I think, you know, the happiest person to hear this announcement might be Ryan Johnson, who's now going to have, you know, his left and right hand guys be, you know, two of the best players in this organization's history. Uh, and just two of the smartest hockey players we've ever seen play the game as well. So, you know, Ryan Johnson's probably the happiest guy to hear this news when it comes out. I'm sure he's known for weeks or months potentially even, but like to hear that he's going to get, part of his staff be boosted with Henrik and Daniel Sedin, like, you know, like Ryan Johnson's got to be that, like on cloud nine right now. Oh, absolutely. I think a lot of people in that organization are, I also think Elias Pettersson might be one person that not a lot, of, not enough people are talking about. And speaking of things that we're not talking enough about, Chris, you brought it up earlier. The team doesn't even have a name in Abbotsford. Like the things for this organization to get done in the next two or three months, however long is left in the offseason, gosh, who knows? You got the Elias Pettersson contract deal. You got Quinn Hughes, who also needs a contract. You got all your RFAs. You got all that. You also have free agency. You also have the draft and the expansion draft. And you still have to make a 
you have to make an AHL team. Like, you don't have anything other than where they're going to play. Like, you, you don't, they're still looking for the COO or the CEO. I'm not sure which one it is. No, COO, uh, yeah, which we saw some the, members of Canucks the, Twitter applying for. Yeah, the posting's up on Indeed right now to be the COO of the Abbotsford AHL team. And, like, you know, one of the things I wanted to bring up as well is, like, I've, you know, I've talked to Trent Cole about coming back. At, you know, from what he said, he's coming back. But I can't get confirmation on the rest of the coaching staff. And I was doing some work with uh, with Dolly Wall on this. And we were checking some people, talking to some sources. And what Dolly Wall kind of told me was, like, they're not interviewing anybody else. So it sounds like the rest of the coaching staff is coming. Uh, I still have not got 100% confirmation on that. But that's even one other thing that it's like, you know, we, we think that Sanford's back. We think that Agnew's going to be back. But we've not really heard that yet. Uh, and I don't think that's going to be something that's going to be an announcement that we get from the Vancouver Canucks. But, like, when is their Twitter account going to be coming up for the AHL team, right? Like, you know, the Comets did a pretty damn good job this year. Shout out to to Michael uh, Michael over there doing the great job with the socials. Like, some of the stuff that they did this year with the Utica Comets was very well done. And that's a big part of what this team's going to have to do to really start selling this AHL team is, like, you know, get your get your feet on the ground with an AHL Twitter. Like, Canucks Twitter is absolutely you know, involved so much, probably too much at times. Why would they not have an AHL Twitter account going right now that, you know, starts to actually fill people in on some information and let them know as they're going with updates? Because people are asking me, like, hey, when are season tickets going to be available? Like, when when can we just purchase tickets? When is everything available? Like, I, I don't know. Like, this is, this is something that the organization has to get on, and I think a big step of that would be, you know, getting a Twitter account going right now. Get your social media going right now for the AHL team because – they can't just start it, you know, when the season starts. That's a horrible idea, especially in a in a landscape like Vancouver and the Canucks Twitter that we have going on. Like, you know, it's going to be a big step when this AHL team comes into Canucks Twitter, and I hope they do a good job and hire some smart people. Maybe Clarissa, good a good choice to have. Maybe to start with the AHL team. I was just uh, going to say. I mean, it, she's perfect for it, but you know, loser at Canucks Army. We don't want that to happen. But at the same time, like. <laughs> That, that's something they really need to get on because this this fan base for this Canucks organization, not just the Canucks, but people care about their AHL team. I mean, look at the numbers that the social media was doing for the UK comments last year when they were actually doing a good job of like putting out fun posts, you know, giving us interviews every time with the players. A lot of good things that they did on that UK comments account. They're going to need to follow that up, and I haven't seen anything even start yet with an AHL team. So, you know, that's that's something they got to move on pretty quick here. I'd have to say. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree with you. There's, it's it's going to be a busy offseason, Chris. It's going to be a busy offseason. There's going to be a lot for them to do. We're going to cut to break. On the other side, we'll break down a number of topics. We don't really have much of a show plan, but we also forgot a poll question. We should, we should throw out a poll question during the break, come back with the first 10 minutes of the results. So we'll go to break right now, hear from some of our sponsors. Keep it locked. Keep it loaded on the Canucks Conversation. All right, folks, here to talk about Parallel 4.9 Beer, and it is some exciting news with the most recent news from Premier Horgan and Dr. Bonnie Henry. Indoor dining is back, so folks, come one, come all, down to the East Van location at Parallel 4.9. Their beer garden is now open. Big setup, lots of tables, and even some outdoor dining. But at the same time, the indoor dining is open as well. If it's a little bit cloudy or maybe some rain's coming down, indoor dining is now back as well at Parallel 49. Be sure to head down to their location in East Van on Triumph Street. That's 1950 Triumph Street. Go down and try some of those beautiful beers and get out there and get the Peach Bot. I gave a review on the show. It is a crisp beer. Get after it. Peach-flavored beer. A little bit of carbonation. Nice little mix-up for you. They are now open from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. seven days a week. 
out there on the beer gardens and also with their indoor dining. That's right, indoor dining. It's back, folks. And be sure to tag us and Parallel as well. If you're down there drinking a beer, we'll definitely uh, be stoked to see it. And I'm curious to see what beer you chose. So be sure to tag us, uh, tag them, and be go, go out there and try some Parallel 49 beer. The pandemic and a slow economy are making it tough on a lot of people to find steady, good-paying work. But one industry is bucking that trend. Construction companies are hiring and need more workers than ever before. Upload your resume to icba.ca and get noticed. With more than 3,000 employers on our ICBA team, our employment network can connect you to businesses crewing up for the 2021 construction season. Trades jobs that pay well, offer excellent benefits, invest in safety training, and give a firm career foundation. Check out icba.ca slash jobs. All right, and a massive thank you to all of our sponsors at the Canucks Conversation Podcast. And we have one more to talk about, Chris. And this one kind of segues perfectly because you're going on a little vacation. And we should, after we talk about what you're going to be doing on that vacation, we should give the content plan. So we will do that. But Squish, we got to talk about Squish. Squish Lemonade, my absolute favorite beverage. It's really, like, I, I don't drink a lot. Everybody knows this. If you listen to this show for more than a week, you know that I don't drink a ton. I don't drink beer that much, but if I do with Parallel 49 beer, I'm not a huge drinker. I don't, I don't like to drink too much. But man, these, these Squish Lemonades, they are so crushable, and I'm dying to try the pineapple one. Yeah, I think uh, people have been starting to find it because the lemonade ones are a little tricky to find. You got to find them at private liquor stores. Uh, you can get the original ones at BC liquor stores here in BC, but you gotta you gotta search a little bit for the private ones. But I've seen some uh, some folks on Twitter are finding the lemonade ones, and they're and they're they're raving about it too. So that's that's one of the first things I'm doing once I get to the island. I think you asked me on the Patreon what's the first thing you're doing. I said, well, I'm going up for drinks with my friends. That's the first thing I'm doing, but. After that, we're, we're probably going to the liquor store the next day. I'm going to definitely find some lemonade squish. Oh, just so it would be so good on a day like today. I got none in the fridge right now, unfortunately. But hot day like today, I, I think it's hard to beat squish. So, uh, yeah, I, the pineapple one is, is number one. I think a lot of people have it at number one on their power rankings, too. So squish lemonade. If you can find it at the private liquor stores, go get that for sure. Absolutely. And, okay, content plan, Chris, because you're going to the island, which you alluded to. We've talked about it now. You're going to the island, and we talked about it on last week's episode, but just a reminder to everybody. Actually, you know what? On last episode, we said we were going to take next Wednesday and Saturday off, that there'd be no show. We got a little plan now. We're going to have some draft interviews going up instead. Isn't that right, Chris? Yeah, uh, we're going to we're gonna post those. I've uh, been chatting with some prospects. Had a couple of really good uh, conversations. Excited to post those. So we're not going to do episodes, but uh, we still will have some content for you because content is king, obviously. Uh, so we're going to bring uh, some more draft interviews that we've kind of done in the past. People enjoyed the Scotty Morrow one. Uh, another potential pick that the Canucks might uh, target in the second round. We're going to have him on on Tuesday. Uh, or potentially Wednesday. We'll figure that out. I think Tuesday. Uh, and then we'll do another one for Saturday when we'd normally have the regular episode. But that's going to be our week off. But uh, I'm going to pre-record some interviews uh, and get those posted for people to listen to. Something to, to tune into if you're into the draft stuff. It's not going to be a regular episode. But uh, uh, I had a really good chat, my first chat today. So I won't uh, spoil who it's going to be. But uh, going to work on getting some more interviews done. And yeah, we're going to have some content for you guys in the week off, obviously, but uh, not regular episodes. We're going to do this episode, obviously, we're almost done it. Uh, but then we're going to also do another episode uh, for Saturday, our regular scheduled one on Saturday. But then that week after is when we're going to take the week off and just give you guys a couple of draft interviews instead of regular episodes. Well, uh, I'm enjoying the island. Uh, it's going to be a good time. I'm heading over tomorrow, man, uh, hitting the ferry and uh, 
getting there going. I am so excited. Like I, I've been telling you, like I can't put it into words how excited I am to get over to the island right now and uh, see some people that I haven't seen. I haven't seen my grandma in like two years. My nana, I haven't seen her in about a year and a half. Uh, so like just, you know, the family's going to be great to see, not to mention like my best friends. I haven't seen a lot of my best friends in at least a year, some of them two years, like since I moved here in January of 2020. So, uh, just beyond excited. I can't wait to, uh, to get over, like, like I said on the Patreon, it's going to feel like that ferry that I'm going to take tomorrow is going to feel like it's like eight to 10 hours long. Like it's going to be brutal taking that ferry. I just can't wait till I like can see Nanaimo as we're coming in on the ferry. It's going to be uh, quite the exciting feeling for me. I cannot wait. I'm excited for you. You've been talking about it so much. I'm like, I feel like I'm going in Nanaimo. I feel like I'm going on this trip. I'm pretty, pretty <laughs> excited for you, man. It's going to be going to be a lot of fun. You're going to have a ton of fun. It's going to be great. But uh, yeah. we're going to get into some Canucks talk. There was one player during the break that you said you wanted to talk about. So I'll just floor is yours. Go ahead and talk about Brock Besser. Yeah, I mean, Brock Besser coming off of a season where he led the Vancouver Canucks in scoring, it's not something that really gets mentioned a lot, I don't think, that, you know, Brock Besser put up 49 points in 56 games in a season where the Canucks were not good for a lot of the season. They were the worst team in the division that they played in, and Brock Besser still through that was almost a point-per-game player putting up 23 goals. I wonder what happens with him if he's actually playing with the player that he has the most chemistry with in Elias Pettersson, and... They obviously didn't get to play a lot with each other this year with Pedersen only playing in, what is it, 26 games this year? He missed 30, so yeah, 26 games. You know, you get that group back together, you potentially get the lotto line back together, and Brock Besser seemed to improve. Like, the last couple years, his defensive game has really come around. Uh, I think a lot of that is to do with who he's playing with, and this year he didn't really have that spot where he was not playing with the guys that he has the most chemistry with, and... I know that a lot of people are, are talking about JT Miller potentially going down to the third line and being the center there to give you, you know, three lines of actual scoring. But to me, if you're able to assemble one of the best leagues, best lines in the league with Brock Besser, Elias Pettersson, and JT Miller, I think you got to go back to that because right now, to me, Brock Besser going to be coming into a contract season. This guy's about to cash in. I feel like next year is going to be a absolute blow up for Brock Besser and. I would like to see him get 82 games and be healthy for 82 games. Like, if he's playing well, like he was last year and even the year before that, if he's playing well and he's healthy, why why wouldn't Brock Besser be able to get 40 goals? He's one of the best scorers in the league when he's on. Like, not just saying that because we're here in Vancouver. Like, legitimately, when he is on, when his shot is working, he's one of the best shooters in the NHL. That wrist shot's excellent. He's gotten better at the slap shot for the one-timer on the left side. And something that just kind of intrigued me as I was looking at some of the analytics for him was seeing how much his shots have really closed in towards the net compared to him in the past. Like his his overall heat map for where his shots are coming at from 5 on 5 really starting just every single year it gets a little bit closer and closer to the high danger areas and that's something that I think we, we've noticed a lot. Like that's part of Brock Besser's game where we've talked about his defensive game changing so much and getting so much better. To me, it's also a lot of what's going on in the offensive zone. He's attacking the net better. He's getting in a lot tighter with a lot of his shots, and that's resulting in a lot more easier goals because he's got such an accurate shot. So to me, if he's back with the lotto line, why wouldn't he be able to score 40 goals if that line is able to go healthy and be one of the best scoring lines in the NHL once again? Question for you, and I was thinking about this when we were talking about Brock Besser last week. The U.S. national team... Brock Besser's got to be the second line winger on that team, right? Like, I, I can't think of a winger who should be ahead of him. Like, I can think of one. Like, Patrick Kane's probably going to be on the first line just because he's Patrick Kane. But 
Am I missing anybody else? Because I think Brock Besser is the second line winger on that team. Man, yeah, I mean, there's no reason why he shouldn't. I think there's going to be a few Americans for uh, for the Canucks. You know, Quinn Hughes probably gets an opportunity to go there, whether he's in the top four or not. Probably. I mean, Demko. they got some they got some strong players. Obviously, that United States team has gotten a lot better over the past ten years. Uh, compared to what they had in the in the 2010 Olympics, so I yeah I mean I don't see why he wouldn't be a top six winger for them for sure, and potentially even playing like if they want to move Patty Kane to the left side, is he you know make a good option for them on the first line potentially? I don't have every American in front of me, and I can't really think of it. I know they have some strong players, but on the wing, yeah, Brock Besser makes a lot of sense to be in the top six for them. Yeah, absolutely, and you know wanted to point out Thatcher Demko as well, but that's the other thing. And if somehow we're now talking about the U.S. national team. It's hard to justify putting Demko in front of Hellebuck and Gibson if you were the U.S. national team. But I would make the case, and I know that the underlying statistics would uh, w- would help me out in this as well, that Demko should be starting in front of both of those guys. Now, it's hard because those two guys in front of him are two of the best goalies in the league, but Demko was legitimately a top three goalie in the league this year. Hellebuck was great too, don't get me wrong. I think he might have even been second. I think if I'm, the, the metric I'm remembering, I think it put Vasilevsky first, which is no surprise. Uh, and then I think it was Hellebuck and then Demko. And, you know, John Gibson, I think is going to, you know, bounce back in a huge way, especially when Anaheim gets a little bit better in front of him. Um, but yeah, like those are three amazing well, you know goalies that the Americans have. Another Canuck who would make a lot of sense on their fourth line is JT Miller too, right? I mean, another American player. Oh, yeah. and. You know, a good little fourth-line banger who can kill penalties for you if you need it. Uh, that would be another option for sure. Uh, I know that he you know, didn't really drop off a lot this year, but what he did two years ago was very impressive. That gets him onto the team. So we'll see what he follows up with this year and if he's able to make the team in 2022. Like, like I think about it, like there could be four Americans, really, for, for the Vancouver Canucks on, their, on the American national team uh, for the Olympics. It's pretty impressive. And obviously you're going to have Pedersen for Sweden. Uh, Pod Colson will be an interesting one to see where he fits with Russia moving forward. They obviously like him a lot. You know, if if Larionov is the coach, I think Larionov's going to do what he can to get Pod Colson involved with that. He obviously is a huge fan of Pod Colson. Um, but yeah, just just back to Brock Besser. I know that we we put it up for the poll question as well, and I'll see how the results are doing. But um, uh, the poll question that we put up for Brock Besser, it's are your business here poll question. What is the most likely finish for Brock Besser next season if he's healthy for 82 games and the lotto line gets back to being one of the best lines in the league? 20 goals, 45 points, 25 goals, 50 points, 30 goals, 60 points, or 40 goals, 80 points. And the fifth option, I'm angry, which we're getting some comments in for because we forgot to put in the poll once again. Quads, which one are you going with? 20 goals and 45, 25 and 50, 30 and 60, or 40 and 80? I think 30 and 60. I think if he's healthy for a whole whole 82-game season, yeah, I think that's the safe bet. I think that's the one you have to go with. Um, what, that won the poll, what percent, the poll's not over, but what percent is the poll at right now, do you think? I don't know. I'm not looking at it. Aren't you looking at it? Yeah, but you got to guess. That's the point. Oh, that's you want me to guess the percent? Okay, uh, I'll say 62%. No, 69.1%. Uh, I should have guessed that, I guess. <laughs> we got a, Yeah, we got a nice amount of people uh, guessing so far. We got a lot of votes early on. But then uh, second place is 25 goals and 50 points. Third place uh, with 12%. Sorry, second place has 16%. Third place has 12%. Um, and third place is 40 goals, 80 points, and then 20 goals and 45 points is 2.5%. And yeah, that's a pretty low one. We probably could have switched that one for I'm Angry. 
Yeah, probably, probably. We're still uh, we're working out the to. tweaks here on the uh, on the poll question. We're we're trying to get it involved. We're not like Sakaris and Price and been doing it for you know ten years. We're working on it. We're working on it here. Yeah, the your business here poll question. DM us. DM us on Twitter. Advertise with us. It'll be a lot but of fun. We promise. Just to bring up some other points about Brock Besser, like. He felt like at times he, you know, I think a lot of the time he was the best player for the Canucks this year. Um, I'd still probably have to give the the lead to Demko. I think he won more games. But looking at what Brock Besser did this year, his shots per 60 are way down. But his shooting percentage went up this year. His individual goals was at the lowest of his career. His individual attempted shots per 60 was the lowest of his career. His, you know, individual scoring chances. Everything was really low for him this past year. But it felt like he was a better player all around. So to see him improve, like one of the actual things that improved was he had the best first first assist per 60 uh, in his career, which was nice to see at 5-on-5. And that's, like I said, without Elias Pettersson, the guy he has the most chemistry with. So if you get Pettersson back and you get Brock Besser as a better passer, as a better all-around offensive player and really attacking the net more, I don't see why he can't get to 40 goals if he's able to excel in the power play, get that left side going again and, and rip that shot from the left side, you know maybe put up 15-plus power play goals there and then pick up 25 at 5-on-5. Five five. That doesn't sound as crazy as it would have a couple of years ago when a lot of people were like, Besser's going to be a 40-goal guy next year. Now, it, to me, it's kind of at the point where it's like, if he's going to be a 40-goal guy in his career, it's going to come here. Like, it's going to come in this next year or two to see Brock Besser get to 40 goals if it's possible. Yeah, my gosh. I, I think it's doable. Like, I, I think we could see it. I, I, I think it's very, very possible that we will see that. One thing I wanted to ask you, Chris, before we close out here. Well, let me get one, one more question. thing on Besser. One more thing on Besser go ahead. before you go. Go ahead. I mean, never, ever, ever underestimate a player in a contract year as well, right? He's making 5.875. This is the final year of his contract next year. Then he's an RFA for the Vancouver Canucks. Never underestimate a player in a contract year. They're always going to show up for that. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we're going to see a big year for Besser once again. Because, yeah, like he was, he was a bright spot in a season that really didn't have many for the hockey club. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what he's able to do next year. Before we close out here, Chris, I want to close out with this question to you. Well, you'll have a prospect report as well, but I want to ask you this. 56 games the NHL played this year, right? Each NHL team. Do you feel like 82 is too many after watching this season? Because personally, like I saw this going around on Twitter. People were talking about it. I think if you if you hit around 60 or 70, I think that's the sweet spot. Hmm. Yeah, I mean I don't I think 82 is too long now. After experiencing a 56 game season, I think I think 82 is too long. I think 82 might be a little stretched, but I don't think it's too long. I I think it's I think it's a pretty good sweet spot. Like you wouldn't want to get anywhere near 90. That's where it starts to stretch out a little bit, but I think you're stretching a little bit to get 82. Like, I don't want to ever be at the point where players have to worry about rest like they do in the in the NBA. Like, if you're playing a season where players need to have rest days, if they're not at the very end of the year, you're resting players, say, in the middle of the season, then you're, you're playing too many games. But I don't think we're at that point yet with NHL players where, you know, Connor McDavid's going to need a night off in, in the middle of December because he's, you know, just getting playing too many games or something like that. Like... That was when the game starts to get hurt by it, but I don't think we're at that point. I think 82 is nice, and uh, I just kind of like the feeling of 82 games. You're going to be able to play a lot of different teams in the league. But I, I get what you're saying. Like, 56 felt it felt a little short for me, but it didn't feel like it was ridiculously short. Like, I think the sweet spot is somewhere between 
like 65 and 82. Like I feel like you're you're stretching a little bit to get to 82, but I don't think it's too too long at that point. But I I can see why people might want to see it better. But I like the 82. I wouldn't want to change that at all. Okay, very fair. Go ahead and do your prospect report, and you close it out this time. Well, what do you think? You asked the question. I said I already said I think six, I think 60 to 70 is the sweet spot. I think 82 is too many games now. After well, experiencing give, a 56 game season, huh. it's too many. Give me a number then. What's your favorite number? Uh, give me 72, and I'm happy. And I know I just gave a 60 to 70 range and went over it. 72 <laughs> games, I'm happy. Yeah, I, I think 72 feels like a very good number for it. And like I said, I feel like with 82, you're stretching a little bit. But 72 just it doesn't quite feed my hockey need. You know, like maybe this season if they're going to start a little bit late, maybe go with 72 and then just kind of see how the feel of it is for players. But um, I think they're going to end up getting with 82, and I don't think they'll ever. I don't think they'll change off of it anytime soon. Not in any of these, uh, uh, you know, with the contract deals that they have for TV now. It's definitely not going to change. But it's it's something to definitely explore. I guess I think that's the thing. The only thing, like I mentioned, if it, it worries me, if you start to see players need rest, right? If a player needs rest during the season, then you're going to start to get worried about what you're seeing here because we see it in the NBA so much, and it, it really takes away from the value. I always think of like. You know, think of the the kid who's ten years old and going to a Canucks game when Edmonton's in town, and McDavid and Drysaitel are like, "Oh, this is the night we're going to take off. It's going to kind of just be, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll just give our stars a rest." Like that would be when the league would start to hurt from it. So until we get to that point, I, I'd like eighty two. I don't think it's too long. I think it's stretched a little bit, but not too long. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, go to your prospect report. All right, let's go to prospects report. What did I do this week? Talk to Aiden McDonough. Uh, and saw that he was back at Northeastern. He's working out with them already. I know summertime's rolling through, but he's back there at Northeastern. His teammates reported earlier this week they're going to get back at it. They're doing some off-ice work right now. Uh, Saw that today earlier on Northeastern's Instagram page, so good for them uh, getting back into it. And, man, you know, talked a lot about Aiden McDonough, but if he's able to get that scoring touch going and get a really good line at Northeastern this year, there's no reason why he can't score enough goals to be not the not the Hobie Baker winner, but he should get into the conversation if he's scoring at a high rate. This is his junior year, uh, and a lot of people were asking if he's going to go pro after this year. I think that's something that this season is going to kind of determine for him uh, if he's going to go pro or not right after the season. I think the Canucks will be trying to sign him pretty hard uh, after this season and get him into the HL and see what he can do. Big body, good shot, great kid. Uh, we'll have him on the show very, very soon. Uh, like I said, very, very soon. Um and then just nothing really else to report. Not a lot of other stuff going on. I've still seen Zlodiev working out as well. Uh, he's back with uh, with Team Russia doing some things. So he's going to be a big part of the World Juniors as well. And um, nothing else to really report. Like, like there's not a lot of news going on. But it's been fun to kind of follow uh, Pod Colson's uh, off-season time as well. He's spending a lot of time uh, with his family. And, and I think he went to another wedding as well. So it's wedding season over in Russia right now. They're rolling through a few of those. Uh, but man, just excited to get him here. And I think I mentioned it every week, but like, like we can't wait to get that media availability with pod Coles, And that's going to be a lot of fun. You say we as in both of us, but like, I don't know. I don't speak Russian. No, I'm just kidding. I'm excited to talk to pod Coles as well, but I think you're definitely a little more excited than I am. Yeah. I mean, I'm hoping I get like 10 questions into him, but, uh, I don't think yeah. that's what's going to happen. So, uh, you're, just excited uh... for that. You're as excited about the Pod Colson media availability, the first one of the year, as much as I am about Arthur Silovs. That's gonna be the uh, that's gonna be the that's gonna be the interview. I'm I'm licking my chops for. Yeah, you're gonna have to be at those uh, Abbotsford games, man. He's gonna be doing a lot of interviews post game. That uh, 
that goalie group they're going to have in Abbotsford is going to be a lot of fun. It's really going to just be the thing that holds the team together is DiPietro and Seelovs. Like, it's it's going to be the thing oh. that just brings fans to the arena every night is to see those two goalies put on a show, especially if Seelovs can step it up. Like, we all know the raw skill that he has. If he's able to put some things together, whew, like, he, he's going to he's gonna really make that goaltending group. And, and, man, I almost say Utica every time. Every time I almost say Utica. <laughs> But in Abbotsford, they need to get a team name so I can start to, you know, repeat that a bunch of times and uh, and start to go with it there. But um, I'm still hoping the Aces happen, but I don't think it's going to happen. I, I, I keep my fingers crossed, man. Fraser Valley Falcons or Abbotsford Aces. Those are my final picks. All right. I think this is a good time to close it out, Chris. For Chris Faber, my name is David Quadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 